late last Saturday night, I got a phone call from uh, Karen Camper, um, uh, who told me that Andy, uh, while they were visiting family in the Upper Peninsula, he'd had tightness in his chest. And she was calling to let me know that he was in the hospital. Uh, the next day, we found out that uh, he had some significant blockage in his heart, and he was scheduled for uh, triple bypass heart surgery on Wednesday morning. And I had the opportunity to talk to Andy on Tuesday evening before his surgery. And Andy and I have had a lot of conversations over the years. We get along really well. Um, we often talk about his family. We talk about his work. He's a teacher. Uh, we talk about worship and music and the church. Sometimes we talk about football. Um, Andy and I have talked many times about many things. But on Tuesday evening, I did something that I had never done with Andy. I read Psalm 23. And if you've ever done that, if you've ever read Psalm 23 with someone, you know that there's something a little unsettling about reading Psalm 23 with someone. We don't read Psalm 23 at graduations. Uh, you don't read Psalm 23 when you get a promotion. Uh, you don't read Psalm 23 when a healthy baby is born. As far as I know, uh, no one has ever asked for Psalm 23 to be read at their wedding. Now, you read Psalm 23 in places like hospital rooms and funeral homes. You read it when you're holding the hand of a friend who just found out that it's cancer. In my experience, if you're reading Psalm 23 with someone, it usually means that something is wrong. And I think that we do this. We read the psalm in this way mostly because of that powerful image in the middle of the passage. This valley of the shadow of death. I've been reading about shepherding in the ancient world the last couple of weeks. And, um, and so I learned all these interesting details about what these valleys probably look like in the ancient world, what the psalmist is probably talking about. And so I learned, like, uh, like I was going to tell you about like, how narrow they can be. So like, there's, there's actually one that's called the Valley of the Shadow of Death, and it's like a couple miles long, and, and it's never even wider than 12 feet. Uh, I was going to tell you how these, these valleys are often home to dangerous animals, lions, wolves, uh, how a lot of times thieves and robbers made their homes in these valleys. They're very dangerous. So I was going to tell you all that stuff, but I realized I don't really need to tell you that stuff because the name kind of says it all. It's the valley of the shadow of death. And if you don't know what the psalmist is talking about when he says the valley of the shadow of death, I suspect that someday you will. And I suspect that in that moment, you will be glad for Psalm 23. Because Psalm 23 is an invitation to trust God. You know, the Christian faith, uh, the whole Bible really, in my experience, I've said this to you before, kind of boils down to that theme, to 
trusting God. It's about trusting God. And so the psalmist gives us image after image after image of a God who is trustworthy, a God who protects his sheep, a God who provides for his sheep, and most of all, a God who does not abandon his sheep, a God who is with his sheep even in the darkest hour. I mean, there's a reason this passage has been read at, I think, every Christian funeral I've ever been to. I learned this week, uh, this was interesting to me, I learned this week that when they excavated grave sites all over, like, uh, the Mediterranean, so like North Africa, the Middle East, uh, Europe, uh, when they find Christian graves, uh, for the first maybe, like, 1,200 years of the church, so up until just maybe 800 years ago, the most common marker for a Christian grave was not a cross, which is kind of what I expected. Um, The most common marker for a grave was either a fish, which is a story for another day, or a shepherd. This is, this, is really, this is the most famous image to comfort believers facing death. And it occurred to me that I think for a lot of folks, kind of on the outside of the faith looking in, this comfort in the face of death, that's kind of the beginning and the end of the Christian faith. I guess what it's about. Like they'll say, like the Christian faith, it's like an anchor to help people process things like death. That's what the Christian faith is kind of useful for. And I think that's part of it. I think I think this is an image to comfort us in our final days. But as I study this passage this week, it occurred to me that this image of the Good Shepherd is not just about the end of our life. So I've learned a lot about shepherding the last few weeks, more than I ever thought I'd know. So I learned, for instance, that this whole bit about the green pastures in verse 2, they were kind of a lot of work. So Israel is, uh, it's like semi-arid. It's almost a desert in most regions. And so it's not like abundant grass is just growing everywhere. So if you're going to have green pastures, you're going to have to work for it. So shepherds would have to often prepare the land. Maybe like some rudimentary irrigation. Maybe they'd have to clear some weeds or they'd have to uh, clear rocks. And then, of course, even if you have a small flock, it's not like you can only pasture them on one piece of land, right? If they stay on one piece of land, they're going to overeat it. They're going to destroy it. They're going to foul up the water supply. So you don't just need access to one green pasture, right? You're going to need another green pasture that you can take them to after the first one. Kind of a lot of work. I mean, I thought that the shepherds just kind of let their sheep out to just kind of do whatever they wanted. But you really got to prepare to have green pasture for your sheep. Then I learned about the the quiet waters. This is kind of complicated too. So uh, sheep will drink, I guess, pretty much any water source, um, even like a stagnant pond. Um, But of course, if if it's a stagnant pond, they could easily get sick, parasites, disease, stuff like that. And so uh, shepherds say that the best thing you can have is either a well, which of course is a lot of work, or you got to find like running water. So you need like a a stream or a creek or a river. Uh, But they say that sheep will not come close to like a swiftly moving river or stream. Like they, they get easily spooked. And so the only part of one of those rivers that they will actually go to drink from is like a spot where maybe like a tree has fallen and there's like kind of a quiet pool behind it, or like a rock is in the river. Even the, the water is 
kind of a trick. And then I was reminded this week that sheep are some of the most defenseless animals, right? So like a horse can run and a cow can kick and, and even like dogs and cats, I guess, I don't know, they, they've got teeth, right? Um, maybe claws. But like what does a sheep have? A sheep's like only security is the shepherd. And I found out that's actually what the rod is. So verse 4 talks about this rod. I didn't realize this, but the rod is a weapon. It was like this club. It was like a couple feet long, made of wood. And then they like, uh, they embedded like bits of iron in it. And like every shepherd had one. And uh, a good shepherd could like hit a predator throwing that rod from like 50, even 100 feet away. And it turns out that this is really important because, um, you know, it says like uh, the shepherd makes the sheep lie down in green pastures. Well, I learned that you can't make a sheep lie down. Like a sheep will only rest if it knows that like everything is taken care of. So like if it's well fed and well watered and if it doesn't think there's any predators nearby. (laughs) I mean, you get the sense like these are kind of high maintenance animals. Um, and not just, like, not just when they're walking through the valley, right? They're kind of high maintenance all the time, every day. Which was interesting to me because Psalm 23 has come to be associated with only the most desperate times of our lives, right? With the valley of the shadow of death. All right, we mostly read this psalm when we're thinking about death, but the actual picture that's being painted here is mostly just like ordinary, daily shepherding life. And this to me is really important because trusting God in the face of death, obviously that's a big part of our faith. But isn't, isn't death really, isn't death really just like the biggest and scariest symbol for all the things in our life that we don't control. And and there's a lot that we don't control. Will I have enough strength to work another 10 years until I'm supposed to retire? Um, Will my grandkids overcome their challenges and be successful? Um, Will my depression or anxiety ever go away? The biggest takeaway for me from studying shepherding and this psalm is that every day of their lives, sheep need the shepherd. Every day, not just when they're walking in the valley of the shadow of death. They're not independent animals who just, like, are going to go do whatever they want. They can't even sleep. They can't even sleep unless they know the shepherd is nearby. I was thinking about this with Andy. You know, um, when I talked to him, he was about to put his life in the hands of some surgeons who, until that day, he'd never even met, who worked in a hospital I don't think he'd ever even been in before. And they were going to what? Cut open his chest and try to save his life. And in that moment, Andy, who's, who's a competent guy, I mean, he's a guy who gets stuff done. Andy was utterly dependent on these surgeons. Whether he ever even got up from that operating table was something that he had no control over. 
And I think that what Psalm 23 is saying is that without the good shepherd, <laughs> we're dead. Like, we're not even just lost. Like, we're dead. You know, as much as we try to insulate ourselves, as much as we try to pretend like, like we've got control, we don't really know. Will the 401k be enough? What if the market crashes? What about our debt? What if I get sick? What if I can't manage this addiction? What if, what if the company I work for or the school I go to decide that my best isn't good enough? Death is not the only thing we don't control. And, and from my reading of shepherding, I get the distinct impression that without the shepherd, the sheep wouldn't even survive long enough to make it to the entrance of the valley of the shadow of death. See, our faith is about so much more than, than just like a comforting image on our deathbed. It's not just, oh good, I get to go to heaven. If we are like sheep and, and, and God is like our shepherd, that's an image for every day. Not just your last day. I mean, the psalmist says that we have this God who provides. Not just who leads us through the dark valley, but one who watches over us every step we take. Who insists that no matter what happens, he will never leave or forsake us. He is always there. And I think for a lot of us, this is like a really comforting image. This idea that God is, is with us all the time. But as I thought about it, I'll bet for some of you, this is kind of overkill. Um, every day, watching every step, that doesn't sound like a good thing. I mean, we want God to take care of stuff when it's really bad. Um, maybe give us wisdom from time to time. Maybe inspire us to be better people. But I think a lot of us prefer to think of God as kind of like a, like a benevolent grandparent who lives out of state. Um, you know, he'll write us a check if we really get stuck. Um, he'll give us some wisdom if we ask for it. But mostly he just gives us space to do what we want with our lives. He doesn't ask a lot of questions. He minds his own business. He's just kind of rooting for us from a distance. And we'll offer a hand if things get really bad. But that's not really the life of a sheep, is it? The life of a sheep is a dependent life. It's a life where every day you've got to look to the shepherd. Every day you've got to look to the shepherd to lead you. Every day you've got to look to the shepherd to guide you. Every day you've got to look to the shepherd to get you water, to get you food, to protect you from your enemies. Every day. It made me think that, that for Americans, you know, the scariest thing about Psalm 23 is probably not the valley of the shadow of death. The scariest thing about Psalm 23 is probably verse 1. Because if the Lord is my shepherd, 
I'm a sheep. And I think for a lot of us that sounds fine when we're on our deathbed, but we're not so sure about every other day. I mean, there are pretty good reasons not to want to be a sheep. And yet, Psalm 23 is obviously meant to be a comfort to us. You know, one of the things that stuck out to me this week as I was looking at this is this psalm is attributed to to David, to King David. Which is really something, right? So, David was considered basically the the greatest king in the history of Israel. Uh, He was a guy who could do anything. Who really didn't need anybody. And yet, he compares himself to a sheep. And he knows better than most of us, right? He was a shepherd. He knows better than most of us. That's not a flattering comparison. And yet he embraces it. He calls himself a sheep. Even he, he could command armies. But even he realizes his life is in God's hands. And there's no better place for it to be. Let's pray together.